Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. And if you're here for the first time or watching online for the first time, we want to welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus. We are in the midst, or I should say, wrapping up a series, a very challenging series called Necessary Endings. The first week I talked about friendships and how sometimes we need to end friendships, uh, and, and there's a healthy way of doing that. And then last week, Pastor Mark had such an amazing message about uh, romantic relationships, whether it's dating or in the extreme case where marriage needs to end. And if you missed that, I would encourage you to go online to www.newlifexn.org and watch it or watch on the New Life app. And then today, we're going to close out the series with a message about necessary endings in our family, biological family relationships. After the first week, uh, after the friendship message, uh, a couple of you, actually a handful of you, came up to me and asked a very difficult question. It's actually the first question that's in the outline, if you follow along in the outline. It's a, they asked me this, how do you make necessary ending with your own son, daughter, mom, or dad? Now, I appreciated the question because it made, made it clear to me that you all understood that necessary endings are real. And sometimes they're necessary, even in the closest relationships we have. In fact, all human relationships um, have the potential to need an ending. And uh, not just human relationships, but business uh, dealings and all kinds of areas of life. In fact, there's only one place in our life where there never needs to be an ending. It's with our relationship with Jesus. In our relationship with Jesus, there never needs to be an ending because he came to the earth. He came as a human being, even though he's God, and he lived a perfect life, a life that none of us could ever live. And then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and actually to restore the relationship that we had broken in a very unhealthy way um, with God and with others. And then he rose from the dead to show that he is indeed God, and he returned to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit And we're told that that Holy Spirit lives in us when we're born again. And we're able, by the power of the Spirit, to live new lives and live into healthy relationships. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what it means to find how we can end a relationship in our biological families. And we're not going to talk about marriage because Pastor Mark already did that. But we are going to talk about sons, daughters, uh, mothers, and dads. And the weight of necessary endings is heavy, but we, we find that we can give thanks even in the midst of something like that. This few days ago, Thursday, was Thanksgiving Day, uh, a national day of celebration of all for which we have to give thanks. But those of us who uh, have been here for the last number of weeks know that one of the purposes of God, the will of God, is for us to give thanks in all things, in everything. Now, that doesn't mean we give thanks for everything. If you have to make a necessary ending... That's not going to be something you're probably going to go, oh, I'm so excited about. But it is something that in the midst of that we can give thanks to God because we know that at the end of the ending, there will be a new beginning, as it says uh, in the bumper video. So let's look at today's take-home point. For those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to make in the message. Uh, we don't do three points in a poem or ten points or whatever, just one point. And the point is going to be one that we hope that we'll take it home, pray about it, think it through, and then live it out in the week ahead. So here it is. The most difficult, unhealthy relationships to end are often within our own families. As the old saying goes, you can pick your friends, 
but you can't pick your family. You're sort of born into the family, and we're all born into dysfunctional families. Uh, reality TV has popularized the, the notion of dysfunctional families, but given that we're all sinners by nature, there's always some amount of dysfunction in any relationship and in a biological family as well. So the question is, how unhealthy must a relationship with a family member be before we move to a necessary ending? And we're going to look at Jesus' words about this. Jesus had something to say about our biological families and what would happen once we started to trust Him as Savior and Lord. In fact, the challenging thing is when we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we get a new family. Jesus said that God is our Heavenly Father and then all of us become part of a new family. We talk often here at New Life, not about the congregation, nothing wrong with that word, but we talk about the New Life family. And you and I are brothers and sisters because of our relationship with Jesus Christ and God is our Heavenly Father. But our biological family members might not see that as a good thing. That's what we're going to talk about. In fact, one of the guys that I know recently told me this. When I trusted Jesus, my Savior and Lord, my parents said to me, oh, you're one of them now. So Jesus got that, and we're going to see how we know that Jesus got that as we turn to Mark, Matthew chapter 10, beginning of verse 34. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you understand every relationship, and we thank you that you have given us some clear understanding of how and when and why relationships might need to end, even with our families. And so, God, I pray today that you would open our hearts, that you would give us the ability to, to receive your, your message, and uh, you would give me the ability to speak clearly uh, into the very spirits of each one who are gathered here or watching online, that, uh, that your truth and your love might be experienced by us all, and that we might move forward in this important area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Most of us don't have those six verses taped to our bathroom mirror so that we read them every day when we get up, do we? It's very hard, you know, as we look at that, because a lot of us have a, 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 um, an assumption that isn't true about Jesus. We think Jesus was a nice, mild-mannered kind of guy, sort of like Clark Kent. But, you know, nobody ever wanted to crucify Clark Kent. Jesus was not a nice guy. He wasn't mild-mannered. In fact, here we see how, you know, he came to set the world right side up, but the religious leaders of his day said that he and his followers after him actually turned the world upside down. And, and the question of whether the world is right side up from Jesus' perspective or upside down depends on your worldview. If we have a worldview where Jesus Christ is the center of everything, then we're going to look at everything through that lens. But if we don't have Jesus at the center of our lives, then we're going to look at the world, you know, our worldview is going to be something of a, a West, you know, postmodern American worldview, or it could be a, you know, a Chinese worldview, it could be a, an Indian worldview, it could be any 
kind of worldview. But once we have Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, how we look at life, including our biological relationships, is going to be very different. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. So what he was saying is his movement was going to divide things. In fact, it would divide families. Now, when some people read Jesus' words and they say, I came to bring a sword, they've taken that literally, and they've taken up swords against people of other religions. That's not what Jesus was talking about here. What Jesus was saying was that once I am in charge of your life, that's going to be a dividing point in your biological families, at your workplace. Everywhere you go, you're going to have to decide whether you're going to put me first or whether something else is going to be first. In our families, when we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, and they don't, they're going to see us as foolish or superstitious or naive or worse. We'll hear it whenever we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord and put ourselves in His hands if our family members are not of that persuasion. As we take the claims of Jesus seriously, as we love one another as Jesus first loved us, here's something that happens many times. Our church family members become closer to us, our spiritual family members become closer to us than our biological family members. And that can cause jealousy and hurt and misunderstanding. Let's, let's look again, because these words are very hard words to hear and to understand and to live out. But let's look at again what Jesus said. He said, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Preachers have sought to explain away the intensity of what Jesus said here for the last 2,000 years. Because they, how could Jesus say that? How could Jesus say that he came to split up families? Well, the, the short answer is he said that because no one and nothing can be more important to us than Jesus. He is our first love. Jesus has been my Lord and Savior for most of my life. I trusted him as Savior and Lord when I was 12 years old. I'm 61, so you can do the math. The vast majority of my life, Jesus has been my Savior and Lord. But I also know that in Genesis chapter 2, Pastor Mark talked about it last week, that, that God said that a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So Nancy, my wife, is very close. It's supposed to be the closest person in my life, but not closer than Jesus. When Nancy and I got married and we had, you know, we we wanted to have kids, but we couldn't. And finally, after 10 years, we had Abby. And then four and a half years later, we had Emmy. There was a special kind of love there, a special kind of love for a child that unless you have had a child, you can't really understand it. And and when that happened, I, I thought to myself, really? God, Jesus wants me to love him more than I love Nancy. And Abby and Emmy, it, it seemed so hard for that to be possible. And in fact, when, when I read this passage, you know, I, I have to add, because I don't have any sons, that, it, that he came to set a daughter against her father. And I just said, that will never happen. I, I just, I don't see how that could happen because Abby and Emmy uh, loved us and they loved Jesus and we all love Jesus and we're serving him together. But during their high school and college years, Abby and Emmy both started drifting away from their faith, and they eventually have rejected Jesus for the time being. I I just didn't get that. I couldn't understand it. Now, I was fine with them rejecting the faith of their mom and dad because all of us need to do that. We need to give up our inherited faith so we can have our own faith. 
Because an inherited faith will never stand up against the world's pressure. But at the time, I never saw the kind of rejection that Abby and Emmy are currently living out coming into their lives. It just didn't make sense. I pray every day for them to reclaim the faith that I know is in them. But these past years have helped me to understand what Jesus was talking about. He, he said that I have to put him first. And that's really the only way that I've been able to work through these past several years. And that is to make sure that I always wake up every day, put Jesus first. First before Nancy, first before Abby and Emmy, first before anyone or anything, even myself. And finally, at the age of 61, I can say that that's happening. And, you know, that will never happen if Jesus is just a religious icon or a, a great teacher. He has to be who he really is, the son of the living God who came to take away the sin of the world and to restore relationships to the way they're intended to be. I still love Nancy, Abby, and Emmy more than I love my own life, but Jesus is first. So the question is, when is a necessary ending necessary with a family member? I wish I had five easy steps we could put up on the screen, but I don't. There are no five easy steps for any necessary ending. But what I do know is this, that Nancy and I still have a good relationship with Abby and Emmy. In fact, in December, we're going to go down and celebrate Emmy's graduation from a master in counseling degree from Francis Marion University. And then in January, we're going to Charlottesville, Virginia, and see Emmy, Abby's new house. I, if I said that wrong, Emmy's graduating, Abby got a new house. But what we won't be doing during those visits is we won't be agreeing with the lifestyle that they've chosen to live because it's contrary to the will of Jesus. You see, if I would simply say, well, because they're my daughters, I'll go along with anything they want, that would be to love them more than I love Jesus. It would also be to love them less because anytime you get rid of truth in order to emphasize love, you're not really showing love. Now, we've had to end some aspects of our relationship with Abby and Emmy because of where they are right now. Dr. Cloud doesn't talk about that in his book, <laughs> Necessary Endings. It's sort of, for him, it's like all or nothing. But Jesus does talk about it. Remember what Jesus said in the last couple of sentences? He said, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So what does it mean to cling to our lives? It means to put our will before God's will. It means to put other people biological family or friends or dating relationships in front of what Jesus says is right and true in how we live our lives. We live in a culture that tells us that if we don't accept others for the lifestyle choices they make, that we're haters. That's a pretty common theme that's running through the culture in which we live. And yet what is truly hateful is to give in to the lies like that that just so we can all get along. Isn't that, it seems the greatest good is that we would all just get along. Well, how's that working for us? You see, we're never going to get along by making it the least common denominator and everybody gets to do anything they want to and every sin is okay. Because that is easier, sure. For a while it feels better, but sin is never better for anybody. It's never better for any person to live that kind of a life. So, Many believe that our culture's uh, lie that self-sacrifice for the greater cause of following Jesus and living in the truth and love that he came to have is just too much to bear. We shouldn't have to do that. 
But Jesus said, if you cling to your life, and we would have to be clear about understanding that life would also include lifestyle. If you cling to your life or your lifestyle, you will lose it. But if you'll give up your life or your lifestyle for Jesus, he says you'll find it. So when is a necessary ending necessary among our biological family members? I want to start where Pastor Mark was last week when he was talking about a husband and wife situation. And that is when there's physical abuse, emotional abuse, then what needs to happen is a necessary ending. Whether that ending is permanent is determined by how they respond once the ending is put in place. If it's a son or daughter, mom or dad, husband or wife, doesn't matter. If they're physically abusing you, the relationship needs to at least have a time out, but it needs to end. And then we see what does the person do? Does the person trust Jesus as Savior and Lord? Does the person go to a, into rehab? Does the person go into counseling? Most important of all, does the person actually change their behavior? Not talk about it, because as Pastor Mark said last week, you know, when we get into a relationship with anybody, if it's a dating relationship or friendship, you know, they're on their best behavior. And actually, um, it never gets better than that. It never gets better than in a dating relationship because it's not natural. You know, the, the society would have us believe that we're going to evolve into being more loving, kind, caring people who all just get along. But that doesn't work. It do, love doesn't evolve in our lives. Love and kindness, those are supernatural realities that come when Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in our lives. And so we have to have him on the inside for those things to grow in our life. And we can change and modify our behavior all we want, and we might stop abusing somebody, but we're not going to really change on the inside until Jesus is inside of us. So whether the ending is permanent will depend on actual change or not. I do want to bring up something. Since we're talking about family today, a group of people who are sometimes subjected to abuse who do not have the power to end a relationship. I'm talking about children. Children are sometimes in family settings where they're abused. And we see that in our biological family circles. And sometimes we even see it in our spiritual family. And when that happens, we need to do something about it. Jesus said this. He said, if you're abusing one of these little ones of mine, you're better off to be dead. The way he put it was, you're better to have a millstone put around your neck and be cast into the sea. Well, that means dead. So what he's saying is, we have an order of things that are established by God, and that order is parents love their children. And they're supposed to do what's best for their children. And if they're not, then we need to step in and stand in the gap for those children. And I understand sometimes children make up stories. But we need to get to the bottom of it and make sure that in biological families, there's not a child who's being treated in a way that will lead to their harm, whether emotionally or physically, because Jesus' love requires that of us. So when a biological family member is abusing us, then obviously we need to have a necessary ending. Maybe if the biological family member is a foolish person or an evil person, we also need to have a necessary ending. Remember, if you were here two weeks ago, I was talking about friendships. And I said uh, this because uh, we got this from Dr. Cloud's book. King Solomon tells us there are only three basic types of people. There are wise people, there are foolish people, and there are evil people. That being the case, when we realize that one of our biological family members is evil, that means they intend to hurt us. We need to end the relationship. 
That doesn't matter whether they're children. It doesn't matter if they're parents, if they're evil. And I know none of us wants to think that anybody in our family could be evil. But there are evil people in the world because they've rejected the truth of God, the way of God, and they've bought into the darkness that is so prevalent when Jesus is not the light of our lives. So that's a pretty clear case. Again, whether it's permanent would depend on a radical change in the person so, so that they're no longer evil, but they're following the will of God. What about foolish relatives? I, I'm sure none of you have any foolish relatives, right? Uh, it's not so easy because with friends, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago, you need to prune your friendships. You can't just prune your biological family members. It's not that easy, especially if, you're, you're ta- if we're talking about children under the age of 18, then we need to do everything that we can to keep those relationships together. We need to do everything we can. But what we know from foolish people from the, a couple weeks ago is the only time they change is when there are consequences. If somebody never changes unless there's a consequence, we know they're a foolish person. So what if they're a biological family member? What if they're beyond 18? What if they're children but they're 20, 30 years old and what they're doing in their lives is just so crazy, so foolish, so stupid, whatever it might be, so sinful? And we understand that our only course of action is going to have a consequence come into play. And do we have the time? Do we have the time? Do we have the energy to have, you know, this kind of relationship continue? I had a guy ask me before I even started today. Guy came in and said, hey, I know that, you know, we're always supposed to forgive people. And I have a sister and they're adults, you know, they're actually pretty close to my age. And this sister, you know, she she just always has to control everything. She's always negative about everything. She never goes along with anything except what she wants. Do I have to, you know, have a good relationship with her? (laughs) I was like, pfft. Really? Do you think you can have a good relationship with that person? You cannot have a good relationship with that person. It's exactly what we're talking about here today. And I said, does the person live like next door? No, doesn't even live close. So how are you going to impact that person for change? It's going to be very, very hard. I mean, obviously, we can pray, and prayer isn't a substitute for action. It's an action for which there's no substitute. But that's one of those relationships where a necessary ending will allow us to focus more energy in putting Jesus first in our life and developing the other relationships in our family, in our spiritual family, at work, at school, wherever we are. So when we are dealing with people, In our families, our biological families who have said no to Jesus or not yet to Jesus, and we've said yes, it's going to be challenging for us to make that relationship close. Now, here's the question that I want all of us to ask. We always need to ask this question, but especially with our biological family members. What does Jesus' love require of me? If I have a brother, biological brother, I have two now. I did have three. Um, What Jesus' love requires of me is that I love them that I actively love them. What Jesus' love requires of me is that I tell them about Jesus. Now, here's the question. How far do I have to go in that? And, you know, if we gather around the table at Thanksgiving, and a lot of people don't like Thanksgiving because you got Uncle Harry or, you know, I said Brother Sue, uh, which uh, that was sort of funny. Uh, there's only one boy named Sue that I know about. Johnny Cash fans will know. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, Sister Sue brother Bill, and they're going to come in, and you know as soon as you bring up anything about God, they're going to be negative, they're going to, you know, they're, they're waiting for it. So what does Jesus' love require in that situation? It might require that we just watch the football game. 
that might require that we don't, you know, get into a, a, a shouting match. It certainly would always require that we don't get into a shouting match because when you're right, you don't have to yell. But the thing is, as we go along in our life, here's the hardest thing that I've had to learn about human beings is not every one of them wants to be well. Whether they're biological family members, friends, whoever they are, not everybody wants to be well. You see, when somebody points out to me that I have a problem, the first thing I do is go, huh, oh yeah, I do. And once I do, I, I want to change it. When somebody says, Chris, that was a sinful thing you did, I say, you know, I might not immediately say thank you, but again, if they're right, then I, I repent, I turn around. I, I want to be well. I want to be whole. I want to be like Jesus. I want Jesus to be first in my life. But we have people in our biological families, people that we work with, people everywhere that don't. In fact, they're sick or they're evil. And if they're sick, they need to get help. If they're evil, the only solution to that is Jesus. But some people, no matter what we do, they're not going to change. And when we're in that situation, that might be when a necessary ending is required. So if we go through this sequence in our life and we say, is the person physically hurting me? Well, that's an easy one. Not easy because it might be your mom or dad or it might be your brother or sister, son or daughter. But that relationship has to end for a while. If, if that person is in active addiction, then you need to make a separation so that person can get help. And again, if they get help, then we want to be there to support and encourage. But if they won't get help, then what we, we know is they don't want to be well. And, and we can't do anything in that situation. But as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we go through this list of things and we say this person isn't healthy, but they want to be. This person wants to be in a relationship that's growing and healthy. Well, that's one we can invest in. But one where the person just says, you're wrong, I'm right. You never, you know, it's always your fault. It's never my fault. And, and I don't like your religion. I, I, I just, you know, it, it just bothers me. Then in that situation, we might have to have a necessary ending. So here's the next step for today. I will end unhealthy or nurture healthy family relationships this week. Now, it says or, but it could be and. You might nurture a healthy one and you know, end an unhealthy one. But here's the thing. It says relationships, but how many? You can't work on 100 relationships this week. You can't work on 50. You can't work on 20. You probably can't work on 10. You probably can only work on a, a few, maybe only one. So go home and pray this through and say, Oh, there's this unhealthy relationship. I've been avoiding doing anything about it, and I know this is the one that God wants me to deal with. And it might be to just simply make a phone call and say, hey, we need to get together and talk. And then when you get together and talk, say, I've noticed these things, and I don't think this relationship is going to go anywhere until, and it's going to be hard, you make some changes. And I know what's going to happen if the person's a fool. The person's going to say, well, it's your problem. It's not my problem. Why are you calling me? It's going to be a hard conversation. At the end of that conversation, you might have to say, look, I know you're upset. I know you're angry, but, but we're, I'm not going to see you for a while. And, and that might be a permanent ending because the other person might just unplug and say, I don't want to be part of your life anymore. And you have to be ready to deal with that. On the other hand, there might be somebody in your life that you already have a pretty good relationship with, and, and you want to deepen that. And so you, you might need to call that person and say, hey, let's go to lunch. And, and you go out and you just talk about, hey, you know, you've made such a big difference in my life and I really value our relationship. 
do you think that there's something that we could do that would make it even better? People don't do that very often, but when they do it, it, it makes us it makes us us better people. And the key is necessary endings are never easy, but they are part of life. They are a natural reality, and we can turn them into a spiritual reality by doing the things that we just talked about, always asking the question, what does Jesus' love require of me? And when we do that, what we are doing is putting Jesus first. And once Jesus is first, everything else in our lives, it doesn't become easier, but it does become better, and it becomes a blessing because Jesus told us that when we know his will and we do it, he, he blesses us in that situation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know there are some folks I need to talk to and I don't want to. I'm sure that everybody in the room, everybody watching online is thinking of some one or two or three people that there needs to be a difficult conversation with and maybe a necessary ending. God, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us so that we will do the thing that will bring you the most glory and honor. God, strengthen our relationship with you so that we will put Jesus first in everything we are, everything we think, say, and do, because that's the only way we're going to be able to fulfill this next step of growing uh, healthy relationships or ending unhealthy ones this week or any week in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.